Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. <laughs> yeah, and if you, you know, when you give your children advice, have you ever noticed that sometimes they're staring at you like deer in the headlights? Can I get an amen to that? And guys, have you ever given your kids advice and they just do totally the opposite? All the time, don't they? But you know what? We did too, didn't we? I was reading this week uh, in preparation about advice that dads give their kids. And uh, I'm not going to go through a list, but, uh, but the, the all-time number one advice that parents gave their kids, you ready for it? Go ask your mother. <laughs> I call that delegation. Amen. I know how to delegate around my house, Mike. Amen. Amen. Go ask your mother. So, uh, guys, it's Father's Day. We appreciate you. We, uh, you know, it's easy as preachers to uh, preach at people. And so uh, my goal is not to preach at you today. My goal is to uh, encourage you and preach and hopefully encourage you through the Word of God this morning. Because, guys, we need all the Word we can get, don't we? Uh, to be a, a better dad than what we are. And some of us are in that stage where our kids are grown and now we're grandparents. And uh, now we're trying to do the best we can with our grandchildren. And uh, we want to we wanna impact their life. Amen? So what I want to do is I want to preach advice from the Proverbs. Boy, I tell you, I don't know, when you hear those words, you probably just shudder a little bit and go, oh, the Proverbs. Well, you know, this is the wisest man that ever lived. His name was Solomon. If you know anything about Solomon, Solomon, God said, pray and I'll give you something. And so Solomon didn't pray for great riches. He didn't pray for a great kingdom. Solomon asked God to give him wisdom. You know, you can only imagine following in the footsteps of a great dad. King David was a great dad. He didn't do everything right. And, you know, he, his children didn't necessarily like him and one son tried to kill him, and, uh, but, but he was a, a great man of God. The, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. And so David had this special relationship with the Lord, and so can you imagine you're going to have to follow in the footsteps of David? That'd be tough. And so Solomon prays and he seeks the Lord, and he says, Lord, I want wisdom. And God grants him that, and he, he becomes so wise that even Dignitaries from far off would come and listen to his wisdom because he was so wise. And yet when we read the Proverbs, we forget that Proverbs wasn't written just to give us a bunch of wise sayings, but Solomon had a purpose in writing to us the Proverbs, and it was really to give advice and instruction to his son. We've missed that. But if you open up your Bible and look at Proverbs chapter 1, we find that in Proverbs 1, verses 8 and 9, the purpose, he says, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament, he says, on your head, and chains about your neck. He says they're lovely. They are what will bring beauty into your life. And so he writes to give instruction to his son. 
fatherly advice that he gives. But I want you to think beyond Solomon for a minute because beyond the Proverbs, not just a wise man, not just a wise father, but the father of all fathers, Father God. When you think about the Bible and as Baptists, we hold to the inspiration of Scripture. They're God-breathed, right? God breathed the life of the Scriptures in and through Solomon by the power of the Holy Spirit who superintended his writing in order that we would have what God's heart is for us. And so when you begin to think about reading the Proverbs, this is God's advice to us. This is God's wise words for you and for me. And, and, and listen, there's so many of them that uh, I taught Proverbs on a Wednesday night. It took me, I think, three years to get through Proverbs. So just hold on. We got a long way to go today. All right. No, I'm just kidding. Don't get panicked. All right. Don't get panicked. But I just want to share with you three important words of advice that I think overarch the whole of Proverbs. I want to share them with you this morning. And, and this is not just for dads. This is for all of us. This is advice from our heavenly father to us this morning. So I want you to write them down as we go through them. The first one we find is going to be in Proverbs chapter 4. So just flip over to chapter 4 if you've got your Bible with you. And I want you to slip down. And by the way, can I just say this before we go any further? That, that the danger of preaching a sermon like this is that, that it's, you've got several verses we're going to be looking at throughout the Proverbs. But I want you to understand something. That the verses that we will represent what we're talking about this morning are like a string of pearls. If you understand anything about Proverbs, you know that the Proverbs are a series of truth sayings that are not necessarily in order. In other words, he doesn't write a chapter on how to be a good dad. He doesn't write a chapter on how to be this or how to do that. He sort of sprinkles all throughout the Proverbs somewhere in chapter 4, somewhere in chapter 20, somewhere in chapter 21. He'll string through how to be a for example, how to be a good friend. And he'll string that through. And so you have to sort of follow the chain of thought as it goes through each of that. So it's like a string of pearls. You have to find the truth and you have to string them together to get its hold. And so when we look at the Proverbs this morning, I'm pulling out some verse. Don't think I'm just proof texting and pulling out a verse and saying, oh, here's a verse all by itself. No, this is a truth. These verses are truth that are not necessarily congruent to each other just because they're side by side. But they're, but they're all congruent throughout the scripture, throughout the Bible, throughout this whole of Proverbs, you, you find that same truth repeated throughout. Does that make sense? So when we look at one verse, don't think, you know, that it's good to just take one verse and make an application. You can't do, you got to get the whole of the scripture. Okay. So don't think that's what I'm doing this morning. I've hopefully been prudent enough to study this out and give you some good, solid truth this morning. So the first one is found in chapter four, verse 23. Listen to what he tells us. He says, first of all, keep your heart with all diligence. He says, for out of it spring the issues of life. And basically, here's what he's saying. Guard your heart. You say, why would you start there? Because if you let your heart run free, if you don't guard your heart, let me tell you what will happen. We love as human beings to run free. And we love our hearts to be free. That is, we love 
to be able to let our hearts wander, like the old song or the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. How do we how do we know that we're wandering? Because we love to do it. We're like sheep. We'll hurry away from God in an instant if we let ourselves do it. And so the first thing he tells us, very on in the Proverbs, guard your heart. What does it mean to guard your heart? Well, here's what the word means. It's really an agricultural term. It it, it means to to spend time cultivating your heart. So guard your heart. Cultivate your heart. The other word that we could use is set a watch over your heart. So be careful what you're planting in the ground of your heart. I'd say this way in modern day English. Be careful what you're putting in. You know, the old saying is true. Garbage in, garbage out. That is so true. That is so true. And so what I have to do is I have to guard my heart. That means, Brother Dan, I have to be careful what I allow to come in. Amen? So what should be coming in? Well, we should be feasting on that which is good, honorable, whole. What is that? It's the word of God. As a believer in Jesus Christ, the best advice that we could follow is to guard our hearts by implanting into our heart the seed of the word of God. And we do that by reading, meditation, and memorizing. So how much of a discipline is that in your life? We all could do better, right? We all say that. Uh, Every Christian I ever talk to, you talk about prayer, Bible reading, Bible memorization. I can do better. I can do better. Well, certainly we can all do better. But are we doing anything at all? That's the question, right? It's not a matter of can we do better. It's are we taking the time to cultivate our heart with the goodness of the word of God? Are we taking our time getting in the Bible every morning and reading some verses of scripture? And and you know, I'm not an advocate of running through the Bible. If God will speak to you in a verse, then I think memorize that verse, camp out on that verse for the day, do all you can with that verse, amen? Because I've found in times of my spiritual journey that God has used one verse to cultivate my heart in a day. Sometimes it's been a half a verse that God has spoken to me. And it's like, wow, you know, and it's like, um, it's, it's illuminated and, and God is really doing something in my life. So we have to be careful. Listen, what are you putting into your heart? That's the positive side of it. Here's the negative side of it. What are you allowing others to put into your heart? You ever thought about that? What are you allowing other people to put into your heart? You say, oh, nobody controls me. That's not true. Listen, every song you listen to is putting something in your heart. You say, no, it's just entertainment. Man, I've used that argument for a long time. I've said, man, it's just entertainment. But then I ride down the road and I just get to itching for 80s music. And I start putting 80s music on. And Kendra, you remember 80s music, don't you? You're an 80s child. You're a preacher. Were you allowed to listen to 80s music in your house? I didn't think so. <laughs> Brother Ken wouldn't allow that, would he? But, I, but I'll tell you, I can ride on the road today and I put on 80s music and I listen to it and I go, whoa, 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 whoa. Did they just say what I think they just said? I mean, because how many of us, when we, were, when we were 80s children, listened to the lyrics? We can sing them now. We still know them. They're in our heart. I can tell you, if you start playing, Corey, if you get up here and start tapping off Hell's Bells from ACDC, I can start singing the song. It's in my heart. Listen, 
Why is it in my heart? Because listen, through music, it gets implanted. What about things you see on the television? Movies that we listen to or watch on the screens. I'm not advocating become a hermit. I'm not advocating go and hide yourself. I'm just advocating the fact that we got to guard our heart. We got to realize that whatever we see is confronting our hearts and implanting something in. And we have to decide how to confront that, how to deal with that. Amen? We need to be prepared for that. If you're going to go watch a movie that you know is going to implant something in your heart, you need to be on guard. Because I'm telling you, we don't think it's true, but it is really impacting our culture in such a, a way that we just can't even fathom and imagine these days. Kids are basing love based on a movie screen. You know, it's just weird what we're seeing. And, and listen, some of the stuff that, man, I don't be careful, but listen, some of y'all just need to turn the news off sometimes. Amen? Can I just tell you? It'll ruin your day. I used to be a Fox News junkie. When we were in Kentucky, man, I'd get up and Fox News was on. Ride down the road, Fox Radio was on. Get home, Fox News is on. Man, I was a Fox News junkie. And then one day I was just so uptight. And it was like the Spirit of God said, because you're watching that Fox News. You know? <laughs> it wasn't literally saying that to me, but I sort of came to the discovery that what was happening is I was feeding my soul every morning with the headlines. And I was feeding my soul with what everybody had to say about those headlines. You know, whether people liked the president, didn't like the president. You know, all the tweets that were going out that day that were good or bad. You know, you're feeling your, you, can I get an amen? You, can you understand what I'm saying? I had to start guarding my heart against that stuff. Amen? Because you know what it led to? It led to not only me getting uptight and upset about what's going on in the world, but it also got me uptight with other people. You know, I had friends that disagree with me and I get all bent out of shape and uptight. Didn't like my friends anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Why? Because listen, if you don't guard your heart, somebody will plant something there and it'll impact your life. That's just the facts. So what are you doing to guard your heart? First good piece of advice. The second great piece of advice is, is, goes along the line of what Solomon prayed for, and that is gain wisdom. You and I need wisdom, amen? Where are we going to get wisdom? Well, flip back to chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You'll know these verses. They're very popular. But flip back there with me. Listen to what Solomon says. Trust in the Lord. There's that word heart again. With all your heart. Trust in the Lord. With all your First of all, we need to depend wholly on God. That's what he's saying. You know that, right? Trust the Lord with all your heart means that I want to depend wholly upon God. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Listen to what he says. He goes on. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And then he will direct your path. Depend wholly on the Lord. Can I tell you? Because he's dependable. Amen. My Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. My Bible says that all that come to him will never be disappointed. Amen. He is dependable. We need to trust on him. But here's the problem, Christian, is that we sometimes have a wandering heart. Sometimes we have a distracted heart. There are times when we have 
a divided heart. And God forbid we even sometimes allow sin to be in our heart. It's hard to hear from God when I'm distracted and divided and in sin. It's true, right? It's not the fact that God's not. We we say to God, God, where are you? Like God's left us, like he's not dependable. But the whole time it's not him, it's us. We've got our eyes off of him. We allow our hearts to be divided and distracted by things in our life or things of the world. And then we don't hear from God and we wonder, where is God at? God, why are you not leading my life? Well, God's saying all along, but child, you're not looking. You're not following. I'm thankful that through the work of the Holy Spirit, God takes the prodigal and brings him home. Amen. I'm thankful God continues to remind me because he says we need to trust in him. Listen, he says, with your whole heart. But listen, he says this, and lean not on your own understanding. So he's dependable. Listen, so don't shift to your dependence. Wow. Have you ever thought about that? How much do we rely on our own independence? How much do we rely on the fact that God, I got this. We don't necessarily say that, do we? We don't necessarily say, God, don't, you, you just sit back on the throne. I got this. But by our actions, we do. Things come up in our life and we begin to do the little chart, the pros and the cons, you know, or we begin to try to figure out how can I solve this problem in my life or how can I mend this relationship that I'm having difficulty with. And we begin to look and try to find out all these different ways we can do things. And, and we may even go and buy some books and begin to read some books, but listen, all the God is screaming at us, quit trusting yourself and trust me. Why is it that we need to trust him and not ourselves? Let me just help you by giving you a little bit of understanding of yourself. First of all, you are very limited in your experience. (laughs) I don't care how old you are. I don't care how much you know, but you're very limited in your experience. You will never be as wise as God is. You will never be as experienced as God is. Amen. Not only that, listen, you are limited in your intellect. I know you think you're smart. You know, you got a 32 in your ACT and you graduated summa cum laude at school and, you know, you're a smart person and we don't want to take that away from you. But the reality is the smartest person that ever lived is still dumb in God's eyes. Amen. The, the intellect of man will never, ever outsurpass the intellect of God. So you and I, we're limited in our intellect. How about number three here? We are blind even to our present circumstances. Do you realize that when you get in the midst of something, it's hard to see what's going on? How, how many of y'all have been to an escape room? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Escape room. There, if you've ever been to an escape room, you've got to go. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's where they put you in a room. You've got so much time to get out. And you find all these little clues. Well, what's interesting about being in an escape room is that when that clock starts, you go into a panic. You sort of go, man, I've got to get out of this room. I want to beat the clock. And so you begin to look. And sometimes clues are right there in front of your face, but you don't see them. Why? Because you're in a hurry to solve and to get out. But you need those clues to get out. And so you sort of, after about 10 minutes into the game, you sort of calm down and you start really thinking rightly. See, here's the problem. That's the way life is with us. Life throws stuff at us and we start panicking and we start going bananas and we start trying to figure everything out and we're we're not even aware of our own circumstances. And the answer is right there. And it's God who has the answer. But we're too busy trying to find our way out of it. 
And so what we do is we depend on ourselves and we forget that we're blind to our own circumstances. But even worse, listen, even worse, Jeremiah testifies that we're even blind to our own hearts. The heart is deceitfully wicked, he says. Who can know it? See, you don't even know your own heart. You know, I was talking to a guy the other day. We were talking about our mutual friends out of the ministry now. And, and he said this to me. He said, you know, Mike, I don't quite understand how that happened to him. And I thought to myself, but by the grace of God, it'll happen to me. Because we're not even aware of our own hearts. You know, you, you, you see guys, man, there was a guy we were talking about that's a, a pastor in Chattanooga back in the early 90s. He was probably one of the greatest preachers I ever heard. Great expositor of the word of God. And now he's a wealth, health, prosperity preacher. And it's kind of like, how does a guy go from here to there? We don't even know our own hearts, friends. Amen? That's why I got to depend on God. Hey, I'm thankful that God watched over my Christian life and my journey. I'm thankful that God took a New Jersey boy at 17 and put me in a, in a congregation of people that believe the Bible. I'm thankful for that. Amen? Amen? You thankful for that in your life? Thankful that God put me in. Listen, and then God keeps me around people who remind me of the word of God. Why? Because our hearts are deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? That's what Jeremiah says. So you and I need to be careful not to depend upon ourselves. But listen, listen. He goes on in the verse. Listen to what he said. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Here it is. In all your ways acknowledge him. So are we in all of our ways? Does, does our life demonstrate the priority of him in my life? And that doesn't mean just in my prayer time, my devotion time, maybe giving him the first half an hour, hour of my day or whatever you do for devotions throughout the day. That's, that's not all. But, but is, is my life acknowledging him in my fatherhood as I deal with my wife, as I love the congregation by which God has called me to lead, as I love my neighbor as myself, as we talked about that a few weeks ago, who my neighbor is? Does my life in all of my areas acknowledge God? Because God, listen, God is not Sunday morning. God is every day. And God is to impact my life every day. He is to be the one that guides my life every day. So in my business dealings, you know, in, in my relationships, God is who's driving those. And if he's not the center of all those, you need to realign your life. Amen? You need to realign your life. Because that's the reality and the truth of the way it ought to be. Is he the priority? And then lastly, listen to what he says. Then, what will God do? God will make the path straight. Direction will come by his hand. See, the problem is we're looking for it by our hand. If we'll just wait upon God, if we'll depend upon him, if we'll acknowledge him, listen, the answer comes. What a great promise to us. What a great reward that God will direct our path. Have you ever been in that place? God, I just need to know. I need to know some answers. God, I just need to know about a particular situation in my life. I'm in that kind of a place. And I just pray, Lord, just give me wisdom. 
Help me to make decisions that are honoring to you, that will glorify you, that will bless my family, that will bless the people I serve. You know, God, give me direction. You know, because, man, life is tough sometimes, isn't it? And it sure is tougher when you trust it in yourself rather than God. And he will give you the answer. It may not be when you want it, but he'll direct you. He'll guide you. So guard your heart. Gain wisdom by looking to the Father. And then lastly, this is so crucial. Oh, this is so good. Proverbs 22.1. Listen, guard your testimony. Guard your testimony. It's so important that we guard our testimony. Listen to what Solomon writes to us. Proverbs 22 and verse 1. A good name, he says is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. You have a name that's been given to you when you were born. You didn't have a choice in that name. You didn't get to name yourself. Your mama and daddy named you, or in my case, my oldest son, I named him. Uh, Marina reminds me we had an agreement to name him something, and I changed the agreement. So, but... His name works for him, amen? So your name has been given to you. You didn't have a choice in that, but you do have a choice in what you're going to do with that name. And your choice is you could either let that name be a fragrant aroma every time it's heard, or it can be a cesspool. You have a choice. Notice what he says in the text. How do I know you got a choice? Well, you have a choice because listen to what he said. A good name is to be chosen. Your testimony is your choice. And what will you choose? You didn't have a choice with the name, but you have a choice of how people will respond to the name. Your lifestyle, how you present yourself, how you live your life will determine what people think about you. That will set your testimony either good or bad. Amen? Now, I realize we all have people that we've come up against in life who are going to say bad things about us. That's just the nature of the beast. And Jesus himself even said, be weary when all men speak well of you. If everybody speaks well of you, you better be looking in the mirror because there's something wrong, amen? They're just patronizing you. But the reality is that despite our enemies or despite the people that want to be jealous and ruin our reputation because of that sort of thing, we ought to have a good reputation, as a matter of fact, for pastors, it says, in the qualifications, he ought to have a good reputation with those who are on the outside. Not just people in the church, but the community. Does the pastor have a good rep in the community? And so, your name, your good name, ought to be chosen, he says. A good name is to be chosen. Here it is. Notice how valuable that is. Notice what he says. Rather than great riches. Too many people desire to be rich, but your testimony is a valuable asset. Uh, You know, what's interesting is, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention this week. I was at a a, a meeting, and the North American Mission Board was trying to buy an abandoned Walmart in order to put a church plant in in one of the cities. And uh, they tried calling Walmart. They tried to get a hold of the people at Walmart. They couldn't get anybody. And so finally, the president of the North American Mission Board decided he would call Ronnie Floyd. Ronnie Floyd is, uh, used to pastor in Arkansas in the hometown of Walmart. 
And so Ronnie Floyd has a great reputation in that area, and so he called the president of Walmart. And the president of Walmart, within 24 hours, called the president of the North American Mission Board and sold them the building. For a pretty good price, he said. You know why Ronnie Floyd was able to do that? Because he had a good name. If he had a bad name, if his reputation was bad, listen, he had never been able to do that. That's the value of your testimony. Listen, that'll determine whether people do things or not do things for you. Whether they'll hear you and believe you and trust you or whether they won't. Amen? That is true. And here's the great thing about it is, the great thing about it is, when you're walking with the Lord Jesus, he helps build that. Amen? Because through the work of the Holy Spirit, he's working in and through you. But the sad reality is that as much as he can do in and through us, we can blow it in an instant. We can say one wrong thing and disqualify our reputation. Isn't that so true? I mean, one small act, boom, it's gone. And you're, you're going to have to try to build your testimony back. So it's valuable. He said it's, it's supposed to be better than great riches. More than wanting money, we ought to want a good name. So what does your name say about you? And then listen, your testimony, he says in the end of verse 22, loving favor rather than silver and gold. That is that your testimony ought to be beloved. Amen. It ought to be a testimony that when people hear, they're like, wow, that is a great guy. That's a great gal. Uh, we, we really appreciate them. They, they have a great reputation. So what is your reputation? So let me just ask some questions. What is your reputation? What do others say about you? Now, Again, not everybody, right? I mean, we know there's going to be some people not. But I like what Johnny Hunt says, and I made an allusion to it earlier, but listen to what Johnny Hunt said. He said, the testimony will either leave behind a lovely fragrance or a foul stench. <laughs> when people hear your name, what will it leave behind? When we say the name Hitler, we know what it leaves behind, don't we? We say the name Billy Graham. A little bit of a different connotation, isn't it? What are you doing to me? Or is it me? I think the battery's dying. Sorry. Y'all ready to go, I know. You're saying, die, die. <laughs> Number two question, here it is. Does your testimony reflect that you walk with Christ? See, here's the problem. I don't want just a good name. I want a good name that honors Jesus. Amen? I don't want people to say, you know that Mike Foreman, he's a... He's a great guy. I know him. He pastors at that church in Level Plains, and, and he's a good guy. He's a good friend. He's loyal. You know, he, he, you know, he loves his people. Well, he may say a lot of things. loves his family, but I want them to know I'm a Christ follower. Number three, does your testimony influence others in a positive way? See, that's what we want. We want influence. Testimony gives you influence. Amen? Ronnie Floyd had influence on the president of Walmart because he had a good reputation. Does your reputation have influence? That's what we want. Amen? I'll conclude my sermon by this unknown author says, talking about, he titled this poem, My Influence. He said, my life shall touch a dozen lives before this day is done. Leave countless marks of good or ill. Here sets the evening sun. Tis the wish I always wish, the prayer I always pray. Lord, may my life help other, help other lives that it touches along the way. 
Amen? That's what it's about. Let's pray together. I wonder as you're praying this. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.